Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 258 of the Sports Yak podcast. Oh, you mean the Ken Dryden episode? Who? <laughs> Ken Dryden, the former Montreal Canadiens goalie who won six Stanley Cups with the Canadiens. Here's a funny thing about Ken Dryden. 1971, he gets called up for like the last six games of the regular season. Has a 1.5 goals against average, which is outstanding. So the Canadiens say, hey, we're riding the hot hand. And... He wins the Conn Smythe Trophy as the outstanding player of the Stanley Cup Finals. The next year, he wins Rookie of the Year because he wasn't eligible for Rookie of the Year. He played so few games in 71. He is the only player in hockey history to win the Conn Smythe before winning the Rookie of the Year. Took a break in the middle of his career to finish his law degree at McGill University. Got out of hockey in 79. He was the color man for the Miracle on Ice in 1980 at the Lake Placid Olympics. And, oh, by the way, now he's in the Canadian Parliament. But, by the way, <laughs> he won 258 games in his NHL career. He's Ken Dryden. Wow. That'd be a fun conversation with Grandpa around the fire on a holiday, huh? An incredibly good goalie, but obviously wicked smart. Yes. He went to... Uh, I believe he also went to Cornell, like Andy Bernard. Just sneak it in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Well, every now and then we get to roll out this very special segment called Our Boy Tom Noy. <laughs> Love this segment. <laughs> and we like to keep it as far away from the last time we did it, so you, you're just clamoring for it. And what a perfect time to bring it up, because we're on the precipice of college basketball season. We've got the NBA draft tonight. There's a little bit of Notre Dame football news that Tom can touch on. It is a perfect fit for the South Bend Tribune's Notre Dame basketball insider, our boy, Tom Noy. How are you? Only here can I come here at 9 o'clock in the morning and get uh, uh, an encyclopedic knowledge on Ken Dryden. Well, 
you know that I love myself some hockey. Uh, yes, and especially, you do. especially if I can tie in somebody from Canada, whether it's a Jamie Ling from Prince Edward Island or whomever it might be, a Davide Del Grande. He's at a loss. It's, it's, it's Tyson, Tyson, Tyson Fraser from British Columbia. Let me throw that one out at There you go. How about that? So NBA off, draft off tonight. NBA draft tonight, Tom Noy. The Minnesota Timberwolves yep. have the number one pick. As I look over this entire draft field, I just, I'm like Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm like, meh. It's, this may be one of the worst drafts ever. It, maybe it's just because maybe it's just because it's it's like November and I'm not in like draft mode. Like usually the draft is in the middle of the summer. I'm always wrapping my one of my vacation weeks around that. You go outside, maybe cut the grass, play some hoops, and then you come in, you watch the NBA draft on a summer's night. But now it's just like next week's Thanksgiving and this draft, like you said, Chuck. I don't know if anybody wants the number one pick. Like everybody, everybody I've heard from one to five, those picks, those teams are they can't get out of those slots fast enough and and move back. Maybe get a veteran or two and and, and then get a, a lower pick. Where nobody wants the number one pick. They don't want the number two pick because that's what college basketball and to an extent now the NBA has really become. It's it's all speculation. Like James Wiseman. What kind of a player is he going to be in five years? Nobody has any idea. Lamella Ball, nobody has any idea. Even Obi Toppin, our guy Obi Toppin from the University of Dayton, who was the National Player of the Year last year, you get so much time to pick apart his game, and it's a miracle that he's still in the top 15 after the end of the night. So it's it's just a weird time for the NBA draft, and it's a weird time because there are no knockdown prospects where you were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the Golden State Warriors, who were like the dynasty team three or four years ago, they have the number two pick. If you had the number two pick ten years ago as the Lakers, you're like, oh my god, no. what are the what are the Lakers going to do adding you know so and so to James Worthy or Magic Johnson or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? These guys, the Golden State's got the number two pick, and everyone's just kind of like, meh, who cares? Tom, stick with me on this uh, metaphor. American yeah. Idol back in the day, if you won the contest, you had a blossoming career. Then that show uh, evolves into, if you make it into the top ten, you've got yourself a decent career. You get a good manager. You get a label. Let's look through the player's perspective. Is it no longer a big deal to be number one? Is it okay to be number ten, number eleven, and show what you got down the road. I mean, is it still a big deal to be like I'm the number one guy? No, it's not because they're all slotted into specific contract spots. So it's not like, hey, the number one guy is going to get thirty five million dollars guaranteed. It doesn't matter where you go, one through thirty in, in the NBA draft, because you're got you've got a guaranteed three year deal, and everybody in that league right now. It doesn't matter if you're 1, 12, 15, 18, 25. You're not really playing for that rookie contract. You're playing to get to that second contract. You're right. playing. You're paying to get to the max deal to where Giannis Antetokounmpo. Let me just say Giannis. 
where Giannis is going to get a max contract for $258 million. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get that right out of school. So it doesn't matter what pick you are. You just want to get to the league to get your clock started so you can get to that second or third deal, which is where that's going to pay you the most amount of dollars. So Minnesota has the one pick, and it sounds, Tom, like they're either going to take LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards, the kid out of Georgia. Both of them just have such major flaws in their game. You (laughs) mentioned there's not a big-time star in this draft. So let's say one of those two, well, we've mentioned the top three players probably, Ball, Mm -hmm. Edwards, and Wiseman, in some order there. The Bulls go forth. A lot of Bulls fans in our audience. I hear they might be taking a kid out of Israel. I hear this morning, Chuck, that the Bulls are going to package the number four pick and Wendell Carter to the Golden State Warriors for the second pick. And in that case, then, then they have probably everybody but Anthony Edwards. Like uh, they they've been I've I've been hearing that the Bulls want Lamelo Ball. Yeah, they may get Lonzo Ball and package the Ball brothers in the backcourt. So it's just like it's it's going to be crazy. You don't know what's going on. Like and and, and everybody everybody's afraid to to dismiss like you said the kid from Israel because of Luka Doncic. Right. Like, everyone's everyone's afraid they're going to pass up the next Luka. So it's just such a crazy time for the NBA. And as far as you know, scouting and trying to find guys and trying to understand who fits where. But it's it's gonna. I think it's gonna be nuts tonight. But that's what the NBA is right now. Well, especially when you've got the draft now. Uh, free agency starts in two days, and training camp opens in two weeks. <laughs> and the and the regular season starts December twenty second. Yeah, it feels like it just ended. Like it's it's gonna because they want to keep it on the they want to keep it on the timetable to where they don't lose the twenty one twenty two season. So let's just cram seventy two games or however many games we're able to play in the twenty twenty one season and then go from there. So let's go college hoop here because this is your bailiwick here. This is your baby. <laughs> is, is the Big Ten actually going to release the schedule before they start the season, <laughs> or are they just gonna have teams magically show up on in gyms? Uh, at Thanksgiving and say, okay, this is our game. It's like a pickup game. Well, Notre Dame's in the same boat. Like, it's great. Notre Dame has a schedule. They released the schedule last week. Ha, ah, it's great. They're doing this. They're going to play here. They're going to play there. But there are no tip times. A lot of the games, a lot of the games in the Atlantic Coast Conference are either or. Like, we're going to play either Tuesday the 9th or we're going to play Wednesday the 10th, depending on what the COVID situation is. So, we still don't know. We're sitting here 10 days out now for, from the Notre Dame men's basketball opener at Breslin Center against number 13 Michigan State, and I have no idea what time that game starts. I think Notre Dame's got a pretty good idea because Notre Dame is planning on just busing up and sure. back, like having their pregame meal and their masks and everything they do, they do pregame at Purcell Pavilion. Basically, hopping on the bus, going up 69 to, to East Lansing, getting off the bus and going right to the gym and, and, and warming up to play the game. So I think that game is probably going to start, I'd say, 7 o'clock at night. But, like, the rest of the schedule, it, I know at least Notre Dame's got, got opponents, but he, but the Big Ten doesn't even have that. It's like, uh, any time now, guys, let's go. Clock's ticking. 
Tom, you came to mind the other day when there was talk that Indianapolis might be the hub of mm-hmm. uh, March Madness. And I immediately thought, does someone like Tom Noy of the South Bend Tribune just stay in Indianapolis for four <laughs> weeks? You know, do you camp out and whatever that's going to look like. But, like, did you give any thought to – have you given any kind of thought to that? I know you're already thinking about just regular season, but, like, when that unfolds, do you have some sort of game plan? Corey, you have no idea how newspaper budgets work, do you? (laughs) I I really don't. (laughs) In In this day and age, it would not surprise me. If I was told to drive back and forth every sure. single night for three weeks, but see that, but again, unless Notre Dame is a part of the NCAA tournament, that might be like an early spring break as far as Tom Noy is concerned. Because if the Irish aren't playing in it, odds are the South Bend Tribune is not interested in it. Speaking of which, do we dare ask what this team looks like this season? <laughs> well, that you was a, that was a thought, and and the thought that goes with that, Tom, is Mike Bray and Notre Dame unveil this non-conference <laughs> schedule that is unlike any non-conference schedule we've ever seen before. I dare say our boy Victor in Salem would have come up for every home game uh, with this schedule. We'll start with the schedule first. As I'm getting bits and pieces of information as to, hey, uh, Notre Dame's playing Kentucky. Uh, they're going to do something with Tennessee. Uh, looks like they might do something with Michigan State. I'm texting Mike Bray and saying, are you freaking nuts? Like, what are you doing? And he's, he's like, hey, the kids have been through so much BS since this whole pandemic started in March. My feeling is, let's just go for it. Like, forget these directional schools or these non-Power 5 schools or Chicago States of the, of the college basketball world that seem to find their way on the right schedule every year. He's like, we have no idea how this is going to go, how long it's going to go. Like, I've talked with people over at Notre Dame, and, and their best guesses right now, like every, every school in Division One is allowed to play 27 regular season games until you get to March however you use those 27. So Notre Dame's got 27 games scheduled, and the people over at Notre Dame are saying, you know what, we might feel like we won the absolute lottery if we can play 15, or Mm. we can play 18, or we can find a way to finagle 20 games out of the schedule. So it's a a crusher schedule, but my brave feeling is, we might play against Michigan State, and then we might not play again for three weeks. So let's try and get every big-time game that we can to keep the kids motivated. And if we play them, great. And all this stuff about the NCAA tournament and what your resume is going to look like and wins and losses and and, uh, uh, do you have enough power there, he said, that's a whole bunch of baloney because I, I just can't see myself looking at March right now because for him, March might as well be 15 years away. So let's play the best schedule that we can, give these kids an experience, because we have no idea if we're going to get to March at all. Well, they're not going to have to worry about strength of schedule, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and the other thing about the directional schools, and not to, not to even insult the, the MAC or the Horizon or any of those conferences, but I just wonder how 
how those teams are going to survive mm-hmm. um, given the financial parameters of everything that's being worked with. And you mentioned Chicago now, State. That's a that's a program that teeters on the brink every year under the best of circumstances. It does. And the one direction, like, they, they did get Western Michigan. Like, Western Michigan was attractive to Notre Dame this year because it's a quick trip. They can yep. just get on a bus. They don't have to spend the they don't have to spend the night. They don't have to stay in a hotel and maybe worry about quarantine and, and the protocols. So Western Michigan was very attractive to them, as was schools like Illinois Chicago or you know, another school in the Chicago area that might be a bus ride away. But then they were like, you know what? We're just we're just going to swing big, and whatever happens, happens. You've seen Cormac Ryan. I haven't. Uh, I don't know if you've seen had any chance to see Trey Wirtz. I haven't. We don't mm-hmm. know if Trey Wirtz is going to get to play or not. We do. Cormac Ryan is not only going to play; he's going to start. How good is he? He is Steve Astoria, Chris Quinn, Ben Hansborough type of player, and it's exactly what this program needed. Even last year, when Cormac Ryan was sitting out, he spent he spent uh, a year at Stanford. His decision came down to Stanford and Notre Dame. So the minute he entered the transfer portal, Mike Bray's antenna went up and said, hey, that's a kid that we're going to get. We're going to have to get him. We know about him. Comes from a great family. Comes from a great AAU program. Plays for the same AAU coach as one Pat Connaughton out in Massachusetts. So he's kind of a Connaughton type of clone as far as a leader. Like he's sitting out last year, and he was the most vocal, animated, positive guy on the bench last season sitting there at the end of the bench by Tony Rolinski in street clothes where he could have been like, yeah, I'm sitting out. I don't really don't, I really don't care what's happening. But I mean, he was engaged. He was, in, he was connected. He has not played one minute for Notre Dame and he might be the second most important guy on this team behind Prentice hub. So mm-hmm. Cormac Ryan, you plug him into the starting lineup this year and he's never coming out the rest of his college career. And he's going to play like 35 minutes a night for Mike Bray. People are looking at, last year's team and they look at John Mooney and he was a double-double machine and now Mike Bray has even publicly said, where do the rebounds come from? Now he was very (laughs) very happy with the weight training program and the transformation of Nate Leshefsky and Jawan Durham have you seen these guys at all Tom? I I realize with with the pandemic we're kind of limited on what you get to see Yeah, here's what I've seen Absolutely nothing. Like, I I know nothing about this basketball team. Usually my my prep work for an upcoming season starts in June when these guys return to campus and they come to summer school and they're playing a week of pickup. So I'm watching maybe a dozen pickup games then. We see them play pickup on Saturday afternoons at Purcell Pavilion before a football game. So you're watching maybe three or four more pickup games. You get to see an open practice in October. All that has been wiped out. So it's like I have no reference point as to what this rotation looks like. If Prentice Hub is indeed one of the elite guards in the ACC, uh, is Juwan Durham going to be a guy that can compensate for the 25 double-double that John Moody left on the table? Is, is Nate Leshefsky a, a, a legit ACC big man? Like Mike Bray said, he was a boy his first two years. Now he looks like a man. So I know absolutely nothing about what, what how these pieces fit how the freshmen fit. Like the, we know John Looney's not coming back, so he leaves 13 rebounds behind. This is, this is like, it's almost like Juwan Durham's prove-it time. Like, Juwan yeah. Durham wasn't happy last year 
a lot of times playing only 17 minutes a game, averaging four and a half rebounds, it's like, all right, there's 10 rebounds. There's 12 rebounds out there with your name on it. Why don't you go get them? Like, it's, it's your turn to l- deliver as a fifth-year guy. IU and Purdue, what should we expect from them? Who knows? Like, I, I have absolutely no idea what college basketball is going to be about. All the, the predictions that I see about IU going to be a struggle for Archie Miller. Like, uh, how hot is that seat going to be in Bloomington now where I think he was picked somewhere around 7, 8, 9 area in yep. the Big Ten? Yeah, IU was picked I, I, eight I and Purdue ninth. Yeah, so I I think Purdue is better than than IU right now. If I have to say, like I'm I'm really intrigued to go see Jaden Ivey if that game does happen against Notre Dame next month at, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, the Crossroads Classic. See Jaden Ivey play against Notre Dame, but IU is is kind of just like they're just kind of there, and I know that's that's not what Indiana fans are going to want to hear, but I I don't see them being an upper echelon top-tier team in the Big Ten this season. Well, let's talk a little football with you, because you have seen this team play. Jared Patterson, the Notre Dame center, injured this week. He's out for the rest of the year with foot surgery. How much of a blow is that to this team, or do they have enough depth that that's not really going to be a huge factor? I think because it's such an experienced offensive line where you've got four veterans around them, I think they could plug you into center hey and they now. could play well. They could No? Uh, no? I, I don't I don't think I do my best work upside down. Great visual. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean is it, when, who, whoever it is, Zeke Carell or Colin Grunhart, whoever it is that they play that that, that plays center, they've got enough veteran guys around them, around them where it's going to be a little bit of a drop off from from Jared Patterson. But when you've got Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Kramer and Rob Casey and Aaron Banks, that's a pretty good start to, for a guy to step in and say, ooh, I'm a little nervous, but I look to my right, i got some good guys down there. I look to my left, got some veterans over there too. Yeah, I can do this. Everything's going to be okay. So they'll miss Jared Patterson, but I don't think it's, it's as crushing an injury. Like you go back a couple of years ago when Notre Dame went to the college football playoff and played Clemson that year. They lost Alex Bars, who was arguably one of their best offensive linemen, mm-hmm. to a knee injury at, at midseason, and the line didn't really miss that much of a beat. So I think they'll be okay. History tells us on this day in 2012, Notre Dame was number one. Are they a, a number one, number two team, Tom, like it's showing on a piece of paper? Are they in the playoffs? Right now, if the season ends today, absolutely, because they beat Clemson. Like yeah. everybody's, uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of these college football bowl projections, and and how do you not right now at this day on this day have Notre Dame as a top four team? Like they beat Clemson, they beat they did something that no ACC team has been able to do since 2017. I know Trevor Lawrence wasn't there, but the quarterback that played that night over at Notre Dame Stadium, he's pretty darn good himself. Yes, I'll let was. Chuck handle the pronunciation. I just have to spell it right. I don't have to say it right. Which, which is not easy either. <laughs> it is. <isn't it? laughs> so, yeah, this is, a, this is a college football playoff team right now. And, and we, I hate using the term, but they do. They control their own destiny. Like, you want to go to the college football playoff? Go, go win the rest of your games. Beat North Carolina. Beat Syracuse. Beat Wake. Then go and beat Clemson again in the ACC championship. Now, if Clemson wins that game, 
we're going to probably have to need a little bit of help to get back into that college football playoff because everybody's like, well, in, in college football, it's not necessarily who you lose to, but when you lose. And if you lose at the back end of your schedule, people are going to be like, oh, let's move uh, this, this sexy team in. How about Oregon? Let's throw Oregon into the playoff mix. So, I, I, like, Notre Dame right now is a college football playoff team. If they lose to Clemson in the ACC championship, I still think they've done enough to deserve to be one of the top four teams in the country. I think it depends how they lose. You know, mm-hmm. if if they were to be blown out that night, which I don't foresee, but if they were to be blown out that night, that opens the door. If they lose by 10 or less, I I would put them in. But that's me. And then, <laughs> that, and then that, I would too. And then if they get probably what, at number one Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Sure. Uh, ha- have you been as impressed with Ian Book's development the last two games as I have? Because here's a quarterback, let's face it, the rap on him was game manager, doesn't win the big one. His biggest win since he'd been here was maybe LSU in the bowl game his first year or the comeback against Virginia Tech, neither one very sexy. And the last two weeks, he's looked like a different kid. I have always been in the Ian Book camp. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm riding with Ian Book. From the first time that he was a starter down in North Carolina, I covered that game that day at Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill, where you just kind of saw the fact, yeah, he was maybe, maybe he was a little jittery, but there's just, there was just something about him that he gets it. And he's 28 and 3 as a starter. And I know all the nonsense of he doesn't throw the deep ball, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Look, there are kids playing college football that just aren't cut out for the NFL. They're not going to be playing on Sundays. Right. But for a guy to do what he's been able to do at the most scrutinized position in college football, to be 28 and 3 as a starter, to have beaten Clemson, to have gone through, going through yet another season where you're going to win at least 10 games. At the end of the day, people are going to look back and say, forget what he may do after Notre Dame, but Ian Book is, is, one, of the, is one of the best college quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Uh, normally on this show, towards the end, we play a little segment called Overrated, Underrated. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to bash a kid, so I'm not going to ask you who the most overrated player on the Irish is this year. Who do you think is the most underrated? Well put. Are, are we talking Notre Dame football? Let's let's start with Notre Dame football. Who's the most underrated player on the Notre Dame football team? Uh, maybe a tie right now between Javon McKinley and Avery Davis. Like both have become just absolute revelations at wide receiver to the point where, how often did we hear in September about boy, you know, what's what's Kevin Austin going to do? They need to get the ball to Kevin Austin. Kevin Austin. Kevin Austin. All this. We haven't heard Kevin. Now I understand Kevin Austin's out for the year with a foot injury, but people have not talked and said, boy, if they only had Kevin Austin, maybe they beat Clemson, or maybe they do this, or maybe they do that. For Javon McKinley and Avery Davis to do what they've done this season, I don't think anybody saw that come. I'm going to give you Kurt Heinisch. And it's not just because nose tackles typically live in anonymity, but quite mm-hmm. frankly, for the Notre Dame run defense to be as good as it has been, Kurt Heinisch has had to tie up a lot of guys in the middle of that offensive line and free up the defensive ends and the linebackers to make the stops, and he's done a heck of a job of it. I I just think that's a kid that people don't talk about a whole lot, 
and does all the things you need to do to win. You gotta love a guy, Chuck, who decides when his media session is over. Remember a couple of weeks ago against when they were getting ready to play Pittsburgh? Yeah. He's a Pittsburgh guy. So they brought him in front of the media for the Zoom call on that Tuesday evening where, where they interview the players. And Kurt Heinisch answered like four or five questions, six questions. He had to answer a couple of questions about going back to Pittsburgh and playing at Heinz Field. And at one point in the conversation, he was the first one to go, and I think they had like three other guys. He said, you know what, there are other guys here to talk. I'm done. And he just kind of left. You gotta love a guy like that. Well, plus you gotta love a guy that looks like he was right out of the 1993 movie, <laughs> The Program. <laughs> James Con reference on episode 258. <laughs> Thank you for that. You want to throw any music overrated, underrated, other guy? Because you know our boy Tom Noy loves him some music. Tom, I'm trying right to remember. Are you a Springsteen guy? I am. I have to be. It's almost like a prerequisite if you're a journalist. I you cover it. any sort of beat on a regular basis. You have to be a Springsteen guy. See, I've it's, never like even, the, it's like in the journalism code. I've never even brought it up with you because I know how you feel about him. So it, it, the point is moot yes. for me. So underrated, overrated, and hopefully you've had a chance to listen to it. The new Springsteen record, Letter to You. I have not listened to it, I have to admit. I have not. Like, mm. I'm not really into it. I let the new stuff kind of marinate for a while before I jump into it. Like I'm, I'm all into if I gotta go get a workout in, I'm, I'm putting on a, a spring. I'm waiting until around noon and going to my Sirius app and throwing an old Springsteen concert in from like '78 or '85 or something. I, I'd, I'd much rather go back to the old stuff than to listen to any of the new stuff right now. So I'll go overrated at this point. I will follow up with that. I am working my way through the entire catalog for the first time. Your favorite Springsteen record? You know what? Album? Yes. Or song? Album. How do you just how do you pick just one? Oh, you pick just one. I can't. I can't. Uh, let's go wild the innocent the East Street shuffle. How about that? Okay. Which would be number that was that number two or number one? I think I believe it was two. Yeah, it was number two. Okay. You know, not as not as dark as like Nebraska, not as poppy as Born in the USA. I'll go older before I go. Now. You know, like uh, <laughs> Lucky Town or something like that. Uh, a follow up question: When did he? When do you think he sounded his best? What record? Vocally, musically, lyrically, like, man, he has hit the stride. Uh, late. Uh, let's go. Uh, if I have to pinpoint one, I'll go uh, The Rising. Okay. I'm I'm kind of with you in that ballpark right there, or I would say you, you, said, you said Lucky Town. That's what those, I was thinking. Those two records in 92, I think, man, he is... All pistons firing right here. Sounds good. Great band. Okay. So, Tom, let me throw this one out to you, because if I throw it to my partner here, I know what I'm getting. <laughs> Bob Seger. Boo! Boo! Nobody, somebody mute his mic. <laughs> Bob Seger, overrated, underrated. Well, I'll just put it this way. The first song that I ever listened to uh, as to music or, or what got me into music 
and the words of it are on my Twitter avatar as we speak and have been there since day one was Night Moves by Bob Seger. Working and on my, mysteries my, without any clues. <laughs> my, yep, my bio is working on mysteries without any clues while covering just about everything Notre Dame for the South Bend Tribune. Like Which, that was the first song where I, and, and I was, I can't remember how old I was, but just listening to the lyrics to that song, and I'm, I always specifically ask, remember asking my aunt, who was like my musical influence, what does this song mean? And she's like, well, one day you'll know. You know one day you'll figure it out. One, one, you know, uh, you're too young to, to kind of understand that right now. But every time I hear Night Moves, it brings me back to when I was like maybe eight, nine years old. And that, that is like the starting point for me for my love of music is Bob Seger Night Moves. And the beauty of that is it's a perfect description for what you'll be doing this basketball season. <laughs> Working on mysteries without any clues. It's it's really like it's gonna like I said, it's gonna be a crapshoot. I'm planning on going to East Lansing a week from Saturday, but then again, they may not play until December twelfth when they have to go to Rupp Arena. Or they may play Saturday and not play again until close to Christmas. Nobody has any idea what this basketball season is going to be like. None. Tom, you're on Twitter, right? I am. What's your Twitter handle for the peoples? It is at T-Noy, N-D-I. This is got a picture of me spinning a basketball (laughs) on my right hand and then also a nice sunset view of a place Chuck Tribune and I know well, the University of Dayton. Okay. Uh, A Twitter underrated, overrated has been sent to us. Oh, really? I feel like I know this answer, but it's right in the wheelhouse of where we're at. Okay. Underrated Uh, or overrated? Chuck, you're first. Hoosiers, the movie. Underrated. I I just think it captures everything of that time. Yes, it fictionalizes the story of Mylan in 54. It's loosely based on that. I don't think Marv Wood was making the moves on the school marm at the time, (laughs) nor was Marv Wood uh, banned from coaching anywhere in upstate New York. However, I I just think um, the characters, the way it characterizes what basketball at that time meant to small towns, the tournament, it's, it's wonderful in how it captures that. I'll go underrated. Tom Noy. I'm going underrated. I won't give it as big of an in-depth review as my man Chuck Freebie, but ah. it just encapsulates encapsulates Indiana basketball. Like Jimmy Chitwood, when he's he's brooding and he doesn't want to join the team, and he's out shooting hoops at that at that makeshift rim over by his uh, by his farm. Like that's Indiana 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 basketball for you right there. Underrated. Uh, Follow up question: Top five Gene Hackman movie. <laughs> mm. He's been in a lot of good ones. But, yeah, I mean, when I think of Gene Hackman, that's one of the first things that comes to mind. I do like that one. What about Uncommon Valor? How about that? Let me throw that one out at you. Uh, how about The Firm? And, and The Firm. There you go. We got Uncommon Valor, The Firm, and Hoosiers right off the bat. And that doesn't even bring in The French Connection or... Uh... Conversation. Yeah. Doesn't he have one of those weird uh, movies that's in line with, uh, like, Rushmore and uh, uh, that one kind of kooky uh, director and he's got the Royal Tenenbaums? Isn't that Gene Hackman? 
All right. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one's a little out in left field. Oh. Gene's not. Gene likes collecting the check. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He'll sign up for anything. He went to the school of uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Exactly. If I'm not mistaken. Hey, you're, Corey, you're on the Twitter machine too, right? I am at my name is Corey. I I retweet you often, Chuck Freebie. Well, I retweet Tom Noy often, so mm-hmm. that's a good thing to do. <laughs> Tom, if you get a chance, nice. I uh, tweeted out probably one of Chuck Freebie's greatest gifs today: the reading of the newspaper, uh, <laughs> and, and it might have been one of your articles. It might have been. No, it was, and it was the front page. Yeah, I'm never was, on the front yeah. page. Tom, Tom's not in A3. <laughs> I'm not on A3. My jump's not going A3. I feel good about this. You all right, Chuck? Have we I, covered what we need to cover? I believe we have. Our thanks to Tom Noy, South Bend Tribune, for joining the podcast number 258. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogalooga, Kent Dryden, you parliamentarian. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.